The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. Good, y'all. Welcome to In the Deep, a deep league focused fantasy baseball podcast, part of the Pitcher List Podcast Network. My name is Jordan White, and I'm joined here once again by my good friend and co host, Christopher Schwebzy Weber. Schwebzy, how are we doing this week? Hi, friends. I'm doing great. And you know why? It's because we're in the middle of prime fantasy baseball season. We got a bunch of fellow colleagues and analysts in Las Vegas doing their main events. We are in the middle of what, like, I'm in the middle of at least three drafts right now with a few more on the horizon what about you i just finished up an auto new draft the last weekend and then i have my other auto new draft on monday night um i'm in the middle of my staff league right now for pitcher list uh we get that draft we're in round like 11 or 12 i believe so that's uh we're in the heat of that really i mean i mean i think the kids got the streets are hot i think is what the kids say so i i kind of want to do the whole vegas thing one time what about you I feel like it's not really your vibe. I don't know if Vegas is my vibe or not. I don't think I would necessarily, mostly just due to the fact that I can't really afford a trip to Vegas. I know that flights out there are pretty cheap, to be fair. See, I'm Uh, I'm like I'm like a shill. I just want to like meet everybody and like put my name out there and be like, hey, hi. I I I would love to just like for the social like to not even really compete in any capacity, just like the social aspect of it and just like meet some folks. I think that would be Mm -hmm. really, really fun. Um also, I'm thinking about it now. I actually know a couple people that live there, so I could stay somewhere for free, which makes this Ooh. more See, this makes this more of a reasonable uh, possibility down the also, line. So maybe would, I will would, go out. It would be a lot of fun to meet these people that we have interacted with the last couple of years doing the whole fantasy thing. Yeah, just through the interwebs and through Twitter and everything like that. Uh, I am co- I'm next month, uh, like basically a month from today. No, okay, like a month and five days from today. I will be going to a Brewers game with some of our Twitter friends. Some of the folks so from jealous. White Sox Twitter are going to be coming up for the Brewers Cubs game on uh, Saturday, April 30th, which is going to be really, really fun. So I'm excited for that. Um, going to be able to meet, obviously, like I've already met Janice, but I get to meet like Keelan and Colleen and a bunch of other folks. Uh, oh, Crystal yeah. O'Keefe, our, our colleague Pitcher, here from Pitcher yeah, List as Pitcher well. List colleague. Yeah, so I'm pretty excited about all that. Uh, but yeah, I mean, other than that, just like, yeah, heat of baseball or fantasy baseball draft season, we're kind of right in it. Um, we, how do you we feel just, you've done so far? Like, how do you feel about your draft so far? 
the I mean the only drafts that I've done so far are my dynasty leagues. And I don't know a thing about dynasty leagues really. I mean I do. <laughs> I do, but not not nearly as much as like someone from say like our prospect team. So I feel like none of I, us none of us are Lamar Gibson at all. Exactly. No. So, so well, I I I don't know if I'm happy or not with my teams. Like so the one that we uh the one that we co-manage Oh, we yeah. we desperately needed an infusion of pitching talent, and we came out of that draft with both Jack Leiter and Jackson Job, and I feel like that's huge for uh, you know a, a huge influx of talent into that system. So I'm happy with that one for sure. I see. It definitely but, wasn't like a high bar for us to clear to get better yeah. pitching in that draft, but I am glad that we got uh, Job and uh, Leiter. Those are two really good pickups. I think our farm system in that league just got better in general, which was oh, nice. Yeah. It was absolutely definitely a weak point for us. So. And then really, the, really good. The, the best team in the league, uh, managed by Alex Tran and Christopher Reeves, picked up Justin Verlander, which is awesome. Awesome for yeah, us. Gonna be Love that for us. Really, really rough. Yeah, their team was already very, very good, and just basically getting Verlander, like th- that wheel to them at the end of round one, I believe. Well, not non snaking. So just the just the one pick. Sorry, yeah, wield isn't the right word, but yes, it, it got to them at the end of round one, which I was shocked that he lasted that long. Like, I know it's because with this league, we're only able to pick up prospects in the draft, so you can't really do it mm-hmm. during the season, which is kind of crummy in a, in a certain way, but it also forces you to dra- have a different draft strategy. So we prioritized farm system. I will say that I did want to take Verlander because we had, what, fourth pick, I think, in the first round? I'm just talking. I, I talked us out of a, a potential championship run. It's fine. It's cool it's fine it's cool i mean we will we will be fine regardless like we finished near the top of the league last year anyways we're like uh, fourth. fifth fourth okay so fine. really not fine is my middle name in fine in fantasy baseball yeah it's fine everything's fine but yeah uh i think that out of all of my leagues right now the one league that i'm actually I feel like I'm I'm pretty happy with all my drafts so far this draft season i think that the one league that i thought was pretty rough so far actually has been my staff league for pitcher list because i am sitting there at the 11 spot in a 12 team draft and in the 12 spot is christian crespo who has sniped me i think every single turn for the past like six to seven rounds and it's uncanny how much he and i think alike and how much we like the same players because every time i'm thinking like i'll get at least one of these two people to come back to me after he makes his two picks it's like he takes both of them like he took in in one turn uh, both Logan Webb and Joe Musgrove from me. Uh, you know, when when you find someone in like the fantasy sphere that you vibe with, it's fantastic to talk to them and have them as like a colleague and a friend. But then as soon as you have to draft with them, it's an absolute nightmare. It's it's the absolute worst and best things. The, the nice part about it is that it forces me to think outside my little bubble of like what I think a draft is going to go like. Like I came in with a plan and I repeatedly got punched in the mouth. <laughs> And it's nice to actually have that challenge of like trying to figure out what I'm going to do now. I feel like I've been scuffling the entire time and it's a really good exercise for me, but Christian. Me, meanwhile, I, I, I just, I just keep on pulling away from you in the, uh, in this, in the staff league rankings. You do. You, you, you actually performed well this past year. You, did you go up one or two league? Just, just assignments? the ones. Cause what was, there was someone that jumped two league assignments last year. I, I think it was JR. Was it JR? Yeah, he he dominated last right. year. He was very he was good. very very good. Yeah, he was very very good. JR gets. I feel like all of our graphics team, our graphics are like, team is 
unbelievably good at fantasy baseball. They're they're better at fan they're better at art and fantasy baseball than we are. One of those is 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 how it should be. The other one is just it's. It, I think that should be embarrassing, more embarrassing for us than we actually treat it. Thank goodness we had your wife do our uh, <laughs> our podcast logo. Some of the mock-ups that we came up with were pretty rudimentary to to put it in a very kind oh, manner. I, I wanted there to be a baseball shark eating our logo, and it's it probably would have like been you, very because bad ba- because baby shark was a thing back then. I think there was one point where you were singing baseball shark dude. <laughs> Or something In like that. Deep doo, 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 doo. Oh yeah, that's what it was. Yeah, that was going to be our theme song originally. Was a was a spoof of uh, Baby Shark. I, I think we came out ahead with uh, with what we wound up doing. Yeah, I think we're a little bit better off. Uh, but yeah, anyways, so this week's episode is actually going to be one that I think Schwabzi and I were kind of dreading just because of how shallow it is, and there's not a ton of great options. But we're going to talk about catchers this week. We were going to do yep. catchers and relief pitchers in one episode. But we decided to split it up between this week and last week so we could also cover some of our uh, kind of like our news bits and recent signings that may have affected some of our deep league targets. Because there's still people that are yet to sign and there's still trades happening because of the lockout ending when it did. So we want to take some time to cover that stuff as well. Um, So we will get to the catchers here in a little bit. But first, let's talk about some news. So one of the things that kind of upset Schwebzy a little bit was the Rymel Tapia and Randall Gritchick trade basically just like a swap between the Rockies and the Blue Jays? Schwebzy, give us your feelings here. All right. Firstly, what what is Dick Monfort doing? Making moves, baby. What? Like, I, my my theory is that he plays fantasy baseball, and that explains his moves because he's like oh third base is shallow so let's acquire chris bryant and let's acquire and, and let's extend uh ryan mcmahon so you know kind of corner the market on third baseman and then randall gritchick why why are you trading for randall gritchick in course field he's an iffy defender and you have a massive outfield what are you doing it was already a crowded position for them they already have several righty outfielders i don't understand i just don't get it and i'm upset because this is like I, I in our outfielder episode i called out sam hilliard as a target and then immediately afterwards chris bryant got signed and then immediately after that randall gritchick got traded for why 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 do the baseball gods have it out for me this offseason i don't know but i don't like it shrubsy quite literally cannot have nice things oh sup cody morris someone that i mentioned on the starting pitcher episode that's now on the 60 day il I'm so sorry, buddy. It, it is it is uncanny, like how just horrendous your luck has been so far this preseason. I'm lo- it's it's really it. really uncanny. What, what what are the what do they? Say? I'm I'm like a mush. That's what they call it, right? A what? A mush. What is like that? The, uh, I, I think I think it's like a like a gambling term for like someone who's just like distinctly unlucky. I've never heard that before. Maybe like I'm I'm not that big of a gambler, so maybe that's why I don't know what that is. I feel like it's like a Sopranos thing. I'm I'm going to Google this while we're talking. You are from Jersey, so. I am from Jersey. <laughs> All right. Uh, look this up, and then I guess for me, I'm going to talk about why I'm happy about this personally, because I do have a share of Gritchick in TGFBI. And it must his, be nice. Oh, his, like, the outlook for him looks so much better now. Like, he's going to play plenty in Coors. He's probably going to see a nice bump in average. I think that the power is not going to be hurt that badly. Um, I guess. I don't I don't know what to say other than like I'm really really excited about this for him 
Tapia, on the other hand, obviously stock goes down. He's going to be a fourth outfielder there. He's going to be a left-handed bat, which the Blue Jays needed. He's a decent defender. So, I mean, it's good for the, like, real life-wise, I think it's good for both parties involved here. From a fantasy perspective, I can't be happier that I have a Sheriff Grichuk where I got him. Oh, okay. I got this. A mush. To mush means to create bad luck for others in gambling situations. The mush is also considered to be sort of an invisible force that brings bad beats and generally unlucky outcomes in gambling games. A jinx, or a hex, if you will. So you you have the mush. I, I, I have, or I am. I'm afflicted with the mush. I don't know. That's, that, that doesn't sound right. But yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so personally excited about that, Schwebzy. I'm sorry. Yeah. In spite of your sadness, I'm going to be happy. In spite of your mushiness. Put that one on the book cover. There we go. Uh, and then I guess Trevor Story finally signed, which was a good thing. Yeah, um, good for him. Good for Boston. Feels like uh, a really, really good place for him to land. Obviously. Really, very few deep league implications, weirdly. Yeah, because not really at all. We already knew he wasn't going to wind up back in Colorado because of that sour relationship. Yep. And really his signing in Boston pushes Christian Arroyo to the bench and we didn't particularly care about Arroyo. So, I mean, kind of uh, doesn't move the needle for us. Yeah, not really at all. Um, I, Yeah, I mean, Arroyo, I don't have any shares of him in any of my leagues. He wasn't really a target for me, so it's not really a huge deal. I'm not recommending him. So, yeah, oh, that's pretty much it there. I mean, we so, don't talk about Trevor Story because he's way too good of a player for us to actually speak on, but... Speaking yeah. of my being a mush, uh, I, I picked up Christian Arroyo in my AL only league last year, only for him to immediately go on the IL and then <laughs> I, I cut him. And then, yeah, that's my, that's the entire Christian Arroyo experience for me. I don't, I don't know how it's possible. Honestly. The, vibe, the vibes are bad, man. The vibes are bad. <laughs> the, vi- the vibes are quite <laughs> off. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's move from uh, that's, Boston. That's, what ha- that's why you haven't heard the mush thing anymore, because just the, the, the terminology has changed. Now, now I just have bad vibes. You did not pass the vibe check. I did not. Assuredly. All right, let's talk about now two big signings in Philly. So they signed both Nick Castellanos and Kyle Schwarber. I figured this one would have more implications than it does, but it really just doesn't affect any of our current deep league targets at all right yeah i i I don't know how that works out maybe it's i I think it's because the phillies had some really bad players penciled into their lineup in a couple of spots but really all this trade did or these signings did it it ensured that uh, adam hasley stays on the bench which is a good thing for fantasy owners and good thing for the phillies and uh it it ensures that mickey moniak stays on the bench which uh you know same yeah. Matt Veerling still looks like he's penciled in for center field, which I, I think is a good thing. Uh, really, though, again, we're weird to have signings of this magnitude not really have like ripple effects. Yeah, especially two names that are so big uh, that are both like basically going to get stuck in the outfield. Schwarber might end up at DH probably for most of his uh, stuff. I know you said that you said before we started recording. Uh, let Kyle Schwarber play catcher, you cowards. Yes. Just really lean into this whole big, beefy, bad defender thing. 
would be the best. Yeah, just let just let Ryomiro DH. It's fine. Put him at second. Whatever, man. <laughs> he can do well, it. It's fine. Clearly, they don't care. Why should I? Hell, let's just put Schwarber in center. <laughs> <laughs> Fireling uh, can go sit on the bench. That's fine. Um, yeah, I, I mean, yeah, no deep league targets of ours really affected. Uh, I guess like when Odebel Herrera comes back, then maybe Vireling sees a little bit of a push to the bench then. Oh, God. But yeah, we'll see. I don't know. It's hard to say. Um, let's move on. Uh, just the slew of Minnesota Twins acquisitions between signing Carlos Correa, which was a shock to a lot of people. There was something that broke right at the end of our last episode when we were recording. Yeah, we thought it was going to be like the Orioles in the moment and then it turned out to be the Twins. Yes. Once again, I got lucky, better lucky than good because he didn't sign with Houston or the Orioles, which was the two uh, teams that I was mostly talking about last How week. How do you do it? How do you do it? I don't understand. We we are quite literally a, a yin and yang uh, when, it, when it comes right down to it. Um, so yeah. This one does have some uh, upsetting implications for guys that we were into in, in the offseason. Yeah. So, that, okay. Also, aside from Correa. We have Gary Sanchez and uh, Gio Urshela coming over in the trade that sent IKF and who else was it went over there? Gary Sanchez. There, No, Sanchez came to the Oh, uh, Josh Twins. Donaldson. Who, Sorry. There we go. Donaldson. Gosh, I couldn't believe I forgot Donaldson. But um, so I was really excited about Ryan Jeffers getting more reps uh, before that trade occurred. Now he's probably going to be splitting time with Sanchez with Sanchez probably taking most of the reps behind the plate, I would assume. Yeah, they're both righties, so I don't think there's any platoon advantage to be had. Yeah, so then we've got, what, G.O.R. is probably going to play... Third. Third, and then Correa will be at short, Polanco at second. That's what roster resource currently has? That would be my best guess. So, I mean, someone like... Luis Arias, who we talked about on a recent episode, is someone like that could be a possibility. Like, obviously, like a good average floor there, but isn't really going to be playing a whole lot, probably. Um, I don't know if they have him slotted as a DH there for them or not. That's what they currently have. You know what? I I think something that this does is it makes the Twins that there's a capable hitter one through nine now. So it True. kind of it it kind of improves the stock of the entire lineup up and down as there's really, there's nowhere for, you know, opposing pitchers to rest anymore to, depending on your opinion of Gary Sanchez. True. Uh, yeah. So, I mean, th- this helps, you know, in, in theory, like ev- really everyone up and down the lineup, it should help the, the guys at the top have more RBI opportunities, the guys at the bottom to get more run scoring opportunities. For sure. Yeah. And I think like the other thing that, kind of was impacted by this is when it was just Ryan Jeffers kind of clearly like the number one catcher. It also means now that uh beefy Ben Rotvet does not get any reps anymore either, which I was excited to see because that dude is jacked as heck. Which we only um, found out after the injury, really. True. That is very, very true. I, I'm um, sorry, after the trade, uh, and then he got injured. It's Yeah. What What is it with these absurdly beefy guys injuring their obliques? Cause, because Syndergaard did the same thing a couple of years back. They've got too much oblique is really the issue. I think they're just struggling to wipe their own butts with their giant <laughs> muscles and they tear something in their back. I think is what it uh, is. Sure. Yeah, we'll go. <laughs> we'll go with that. I, I don't see any other possibility, honestly. Yeah. Uh, and then you also have written here in the notes, free Jose Miranda, although he actually got taken off by a trainer today after he got hit by a ball that was thrown to first, I believe that bounced up and caught him in the neck or the jaw. 
Uh, so he might have gotten hurt. So I I did talk about him in a previous episode. So that's that's uh, expected. This is I I don't I don't even know how to explain it at this point. Okay. Um. All right. Let's move on to Miami. Uh, they sent Jorge Soler. Uh, Schwabzi, you have feelings about this? Yeah, similar to my being upset over uh, Grichuk to Colorado because of Sam Hilliard, I'm wary of Soler to Miami because I'm such a fan of Garrett Cooper this year and in, in general. I At the moment, Garrett Cooper is still slotted in as the DH and hitting third, which would be fantastic if it were to work out that way. But I am a little bit worried now. I, I'm I'm worried that Garrett Cooper will see fewer plate appearances now that Soler is there. I think as long as Jesus Sanchez keeps getting reps in center field, Garrett Cooper should be okay. But as soon as they start, as soon as they stop sacrificing fielding for bats, I, I think Garrett Cooper's playing time could be in a little bit of jeopardy. But we're, yeah, we're gonna ha- gonna have to see how that plays out. Yeah, I think that the playing time definitely takes a small hit, at least. Um, I really hope that he just stays healthy, right? Like, that's the biggest thing. If he can stay healthy, yeah. I think he still gets a good share of at-bats in that lineup. Whether it's DHing, giving uh, Jesus Aguilar a day off at first base, whatever it may be, I think that he still sneaks in there with some regularity. Um, but yeah, it's another kind of hit there. So to Garrett Cooper's playing time. We uh we didn't mention this, but something that we did this past week was we did an episode of On the Wire. Yes. We did we did a post 350 mock draft. And one of the th- I, I I mentioned Garrett Cooper, spoiler alert. He was one of my draft picks and something that I brought up was that every single team's number 3 hitter should be rostered. Yeah. So if this shakes out like roster resource currently is saying, then Cooper should be rostered. Maybe not in a 12-teamer, but anything deeper than that? Absolutely. Anything yeah, with t- five outfielders? Yeah, snagging him in a 15-teamer. Even like in a 12-teamer with five outfielders? Like that's oh, 60 yeah. outfielders that are getting 100%. rostered. You should probably have him in your, in those leagues. Um, Yeah, that's definitely a good enough value depending on, like, I don't know what his ADP is right now. I feel like it's probably good enough, though, that you take him. Um. Yeah. All right, so let's talk about uh, Matthew Boyd going to San Francisco. So I like this. He's not going to be back until like the middle of the season. Um, But pretty much any time the San Francisco Giants and Farhan Zaidi are interested in signing a starting pitcher at this point, I'm kind of interested. It's like it's like with the Brewers. Like I kind of trust pretty much any starting pitcher that the Brewers are going to run out. I'm feeling the same way about the Giants. Um. Schwabzi, how do you feel about Boyd? When you expressed, like, so you think as soon as Boyd is healthy, he's like their sixth sixth starter, basically. I think he starts. I think he starts occasionally. I think he makes spot starts or is like their sixth starter. Yes. See, I I question that. I because they picked up Carlos Martinez. Yeah. They they have Tyler Beatty currently as their long reliever. So yeah. it's it for me it's a wait and see because I like Boyd. Boyd has definitely exhibited traits in the past that could make him a viable good fantasy starting pitcher, especially the strikeouts. But I just don't really see it just because of the depth that that team has. 
unless I know that he has a regular rotation spot, he's nothing but a streamer to me. That's fair. I'm not saying that. Yeah, I'm not saying that he's like an automatic roster or anything like that. I just think that the signing in San Francisco is something that always like whenever whenever San Francisco is going to sign a starting pitcher, it just always intrigues me. And I think that there's going to be some upside there. And I think like, yeah, he's not going to get every sixth day. He's not going to get handed the ball. But as a streamer, I definitely agree that I think I would be interested in him. Um, But yeah. By the way, I just noticed that the Giants at some point acquired Corey Oswalt. And oh, they did. If if they can turn him into a viable major league starting pitcher, I'm going to be so upset because <laughs> Oswald was in the same category for me as a Mets fan. He was in the same category as Chris Flexen. And if you're a longtime listener, you know my hatred towards Chris Flexen. Uh, like I just dreaded every Corey Oswald start. So if the Giants can get like good innings out of him, I'm just I'm just gonna like flip whatever table I happen to be closest to. Maybe the Mets just can't develop starting pitching, Schwebsy. Hey, hey, Ty- Tyler McGill would beg to defer. Beg to defer? Beg to defer. Beg to differ. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> oh, buddy. Uh, <laughs> all right. Uh, let's talk about uh, Tommy Pham going to Cincinnati. Uh, once again... Schwebzy is pained. Yeah, yeah. I said on a previous episode, the outfielder episode, that I was excited to see what Jake Fraley could do with full-time plate appearances in a really good ballpark as opposed to Safeco. I thought he could be a cheap version of Robbie Grossman. Cheap meaning, uh, meaning he's basically free in drafts right now. But with Fam being in Cincinnati, I question whether the plate appearances will be there. Now, the Reds are mostly devoid of major league talent in their lineup these days outside of uh, outside of Vado and India. But, of course, the, they, they acquired someone in the one spot in the lineup that I was interested in. So, yeah, uh, Jake Fraley is currently listed on the bench as not even a platoon bat. So, so much for that. I hope you did not draft him at my, at my behest. <laughs> yeah i mean oh gosh add it add it to the list yeah it's yeah i i, I feel i feel so bad at this point it's i should just, be writing these down <laughs> it, it, it 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 is truly and I, I say this way too much i know but it is uncanny how unlucky you've gotten so far this this preseason um but that I should said, I should start I, talking about players I don't like. Maybe start talking about some Washington Nationals. You know, mm, you know who's good? Juan Soto. No, I don't want anything <laughs> bad to happen to Juan Soto. No, dude, I love no, Juan don't, Soto. Don't do that. Don't 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 put that on anyone. Um, but I mean, if we're if we're looking at the positives of this, really really good ballpark improvement. Obviously, Fam hit the ball like pretty hard last year into a lot of people's gloves. I feel like is expected. Uh, Stats were better than his actual stats. That's without looking at anything. This is purely based off of feel, so please don't quote me on that. Or quote me, that's <laughs> fine too. Um, but I think that just in general, the ballpark improvement, plus like he still has his speed. I think he could be like a 15-15 guy, probably. Yeah, um, he still has that in him. So I think uh, at his current ADP, because he hadn't signed anywhere, it, it was depressed. Um, 
you'll probably see a tick up over the next few weeks for sure. Uh, now I'm depressed. Oh, buddy. Uh, but yeah, snag, uh, snag Tommy fam. He's still, uh, gonna be at a pretty good price. Um, now ju- just to, just to support you, his ex Woba was 36 points higher than his Woba. See, that's what I thought. I feel like I remember last year he hit the ball pretty hard a lot and it was always like right at outfielders. Um, for some reason that stuck in my head is something that happened. Maybe I looked at him at the end of last year and was like, he's better than he actually was, or he got kind of unlucky, but yeah. Anyways. Um, all right. Shrubsy, you threw this one in there. Uh, Garrett Richards going to Texas and you said something that I don't know <laughs> if I'm buying it on. I, I don't know how much, I don't know how much I'm memeing and how much I'm serious when I say this, but I maybe a potential late inning reliever closer candidate. Because that Texas bullpen is very bad. Incredibly and, mid. Yes. Incredibly mid. A mid. I think mid is overselling it because yeah, Joe right, Barlow, right. who is the presumed favorite for saves, wasn't actually that good last year. He had one of those small sample size outperformed his peripheral stretches, which, you mm-hmm. know, reliever volatility will do sometimes. I, I don't mind him as a target in drafts because he has a role or had a role at the end of the season, but I don't actually think Barlow is that good. And there's no heir apparent to the closer role. And Richards was much better last year in relief than he was as a starter. And he would not be the first starter to find success in the bullpen. So true. You know, just I, I, I don't necessarily believe in it. I just want to put it out in the world so that later on I can refer to it and be like, ha, I told you. I was I, I am I am smart. The largest of brains. Yes. Um, I don't know if I'm willing to take that. Chance that you are, but I don't think it's crazy, really. I don't like you said, he was better in relief last year than he was as a starter. Um, And like someone like. For me, that I liked up until recently, and I saw that his velo was way down, was someone like uh, Michael Fulmer, mm-hmm. who performed pretty well at the end of the year last year after converting from a starter to a reliever, uh, and looked great out of the bullpen for the Tigers near the end of last year. So, um, definitely possible. Um, but yeah, let's go to. Oh, speaking of Detroit, let's talk about Michael Pineda signing. Kind of like this one. Yeah, so do I. I mean, it's a lateral uh, move. We talked about this before the pod a little bit. It's kind of a lateral move. Um, environment wise. wise yeah. yeah. I, I think it could. I think this is a probably going to be a strong streamer at various points this year. This is someone that I've streamed. At different points over the past two seasons. Um, yeah. Uh, it, it's it's boring. There's not a lot to this. I'm not going to come yeah. at you with some crazy statistic you haven't heard that is going to sell you on Michael Pineda. He's he's a low end streamer, I would say, but you know, in, in our realm that has value. He's a Toby kind of, I, I hesitate to call him a Toby cause I don't think I'd even stream him that often. I, but I bet there's like, you know, I don't know, six or seven starts throughout the year where I might want to stream him. Fair enough. Depending on the matchup for sure. I could see that. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't have anything else to add for yeah. Pineda. If, so. if only, if only he could, uh, pitch against the tigers wait i think you're onto something there. <laughs> <laughs> i 
I'm hey, going to stream him for his. They're getting a lot better offensively this year. They're going to have they're they going to have Riley Green. They're going to have Torque. They're going to be fantastic. Yeah, I mean the the things that you're going to want to target are his starts against Cleveland, most likely. Yeah, that's that's kind of that's kind of the go to. Right? Even the Royals are improving a bit too. They are. Although I thought I thought the Royals were much improved last year. I thought they were going to just be average up and down the lineup, and then uh, they wound up not being average up and down the lineup. True. Um, all right, the last little piece of news that we want to cover here is Jonathan VR to the Cubs. Um, Shrubsy really likes this one. I mean, I don't think VR is a very good baseball player in real life, having watched him for a full season uh, on the Mets last year. But from a fantasy perspective, this might be the most impactful move we're talking about today from, uh, from a deep, you know, 300 plus ADP perspective. Because VR puts up the numbers that we care about in fantasy. Counting he, stats, baby. Yeah. His current projection, projections for, uh, per depth charts have him at a roughly 250 average with 15 home runs, 20 steals, or thereabouts. Mm-hmm. And that's that's in 500 plate appearances, which he could clear if he plays every day. He's currently listed as a platoon with Nico Horner for third base. Hmm. I don't think that's how it's going to wind up shaking out. We have to see. Uh, Horner recently made comments saying that he is ready to be the starting shortstop. But with Andrelton Simmons there, uh, a, a possibly washed Andrelton Simmons, uh, we're, we're not really sure how that's going to play out. I really think that, well, I mean, I know we were supposed to be talking about VR, but like, Nico's bad is better than Andrelton Simmons. Andrew and his Simmons, defense is also very good. He was worth a negative half a win last year in 130 games, Simmons. Yuck. Yeah, yep, no. yep, that's the appropriate that's reaction. Uh, yeah, hard pass on that. But yeah, like VR, like like you said, not super interesting from a real-life baseball perspective. But he's VR. like a 15-15 guy. He's like the epitome of what we talk about with stolen bases a lot, where it, it's all about the intent. Because he's not fast, and he hasn't been fast in years, you know, relatively. I'm sure he could absolutely dust me in a race. But, <laughs> like, he he's not particularly fast for a Major League Baseball player, and yet he steals tons of bags. So, yeah, yeah. I, 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 I doubt that's going to change. He's smart and, like, very effective on the base paths, and, like, that's all you really need. Okay, so, like, the other thing that's nice about VR is that he is shortstop and third base eligible in, like, pretty much mm-hmm. every single league out there. And then on Yahoo!, He's also second base eligible. So if you have like middle infield, corner infield spots, or any of those three spots in the infield, he's going to be able to play there, which is super duper nice. Like the positional versatility plus the ability to go 15-15 is fantastic. And hey, you know what? Maybe the production goes up a little bit because he gets he's he's got the Mets stink off him now a little bit. I don't know. Um, yeah, Shrubsy, you, you, you're looking like you're going to say if, something. If I walk off, can you finish this without me? I'll take care of it. It's fine. <laughs> take five. Go cool off. And during that time, let's listen to an ad from one of our sponsors. Hey, Alex Fast here, and thanks for listening to this podcast on the Pitcher List Podcast Network. If you're a fan, consider supporting all of us by getting a PL Plus subscription, where you're going to get an ad-free website and get access to our Discord, where you can talk to all of our podcast hosts and staff. Plus, you can hang out with our incredible Pitcher List community. It's basically a baseball sanctuary year-round for as low as $8 a month. You can sign up at PitcherList.com backslash plus, and you're going to get your first month free with promo code 
podcast. Also, don't forget to check out everything else we do as well from YouTube videos, live streams, newsletters, off-season articles, TikToks, breakdowns, over 15 baseball podcasts on our network. We can't stop talking about baseball even during the off-season. So sign up for PL Plus today at pitcherlist.com backslash plus and use promo code podcast to get your first month free. All right. Thanks for listening. Let's get back to the show. All right, and we are back. Schwebzy, would you like to lead off the catchers, or should I start mine? I'm still mad at you. Okay, so I'm going to go. All right, uh, let's talk about my first catcher here then. So I talked a little bit about this catcher on the episode of On the Wire that's going to be releasing tomorrow, if you're listening to this on release day. Uh, and that's Jorge Alfaro. So we did this post 350 mock on on the wire and that was with the on the wire guys uh Kevin and Adam and then also the keeper cut guys Pete and oh my gosh Chad Chad I'm so sorry Chad unbelievable I'm so sorry I really I was doing so well there I'm so bad with names I apologize um but I wanted to dive sorry, a little we, bit deeper you know- we won that league, so we don't need to remember the little people. We absolutely housed them. It wasn't even close. <laughs> I love it. It was so good. <laughs> I, um, uh, Jordan is sorry. I am not. I'm really not sorry. I'm really not sorry at all. Um, so Alfaro's ADP currently is 470, which he's going to be available in, in your very deep leagues pretty late in your drafts, which is fantastic. Um, this is a guy who is catcher eligible. Probably not going to play that much there this year, but he is catcher eligible, which is fantastic. He's got 80th percentile sprint speed or 82nd percentile sprint speed, I think is where he's at from last year. So he has ability to steal bases and does. So you're getting those stolen bases at catcher, which is a fantastic thing to find. And he has elite exit velos. Um, He's also outfield eligible, so he's got so many pluses going on for him. I'm very excited about the prospect of drafting Jorge Alfaro this year at his current ADP and even maybe reaching a couple spots. Um, one thing that I wasn't able to talk about because I didn't know about it until earlier today when Eno Saris tweeted, tweeted about it was humidors are now going to be used in all 30 stadiums in the majors. So that's going to have like some negative effects maybe in some places but positive effects in other places like in san diego which will be alfaro's home park um basically the more humid a ballpark the bigger uptick in offense we're hoping to see with this change essentially because basically at this point it's normalizing humidity inside the baseball so in a place where it's really really humid you're taking some of that moisture out which means the ball is going to fly a little bit better in those humid conditions because it's going to be less humid than the surrounding air um don't ask me to explain the science behind that i just know that's how it works (laughs) um so conveniently enough after i talked about all this stuff with alfaro um one of the things that I said on on the wire, which I'll restate here too, is that he hits the ball incredibly hard. It's just that he doesn't elevate the ball enough. Uh, what's awesome is that he now has three homers in spring training. I know we're not supposed to lean into spring training stats that much and take them as gospel by any means, but at the same time, it's really exciting that he has hit three homers in spring training already, including one off a breaking pitch from Julio Arias today, which is fantastic. Uh- I think the rule is that you you don't use spring training statistics unless they support your argument. There it is. That's, yep, okay. 
Yeah, that's the rule. Um, shout out Kevin Newman from last year. <laughs> I'll take my I'll take my L on that one. Um, but yeah. So by the way, everyone, go ahead and draft Ryan Fitzpatrick immediately. Is that the guy's the the? Uh, no, that that's that, that's the that is, is that the quarterback. NFL quarterback. <laughs> who's who's Ryan the guy Fitzgerald? on Fitzgerald? Fitzgerald? I don't know. He's, I think he is a Boston player with five home runs in spring training, and I had never heard of him before. That's something like that. Anyways, um, so biggest barriers for Jorge Alfaro. There's probably two and their names are Victor Caratini, who's going to be you Darvish's personal catcher probably through this year. And then Austin Nola, who I also like a decent amount in terms of like an average bat late in drafts at the second catcher position. Um, that's a little bit rough. Um, so like really the recommendation here is like, if you're in a two catcher league, this is where you're going to be drafting Alfaro is going to be in like a 15 team two catcher league. So you're like your, a lot of your NFBC stuff like TGFBI draft champions, things like that. That's where you're going to be targeting him. Um, his ADP is 470 right now. I just based off of upside, I think I would reach just a tiny, tiny bit on that. Not too much. Um, but I love his value at that 470 ADP. I, I mentioned this on on the wire. Derek yes. Cardi is a fan of Jorge Alfaro at his price. And Der- Derek Cardi of the Bat and the Bat X fame. So if he's on a guy, I, I you know, he, he is much smarter than we are. That, that I, 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 will, I will not fight that point at all. I know you just like, without my permission, said I that say that about everyone. I say That's that about true. everyone. That's the thing. We, we, at least we know about myself. We know that a lot of people out there are much smarter than we are. Again, better lucky than good sometimes, but man, uh, yeah. All right. So Schwebzy, let's see here. You have a couple, you kind of cheated on this one a little bit, but I I, I did. I know you really wanted to talk about this guy. So let's talk about him. Let's talk about Max Stassi. I actually like, I, I lied and cheated on, on the wire. I'm cheating on this. Really? We, we are seeing a trend here where I am just, I'm just ignoring all the rules, but Bad, uh, once we are the bad boys of the pitcherless podcast network rules true. mean nothing to us o- official title uh so i my guy here is max stasi and the reason i'm cheating is because his current adp is at 293 yesterday it was 296 i believe it was 300 plus the last time i looked which would have been a couple weeks ago and i think his adp is climbing for a reason so he was just uh, the recipient of a three-year extension from the Angels. And I, I think you can generally follow money to see where play, unexpected playing time might come from. Previously, Max Stasi had been in a, not, not quite a timeshare with Kurt Suzuki, but Suzuki got more of the playing time than you would have expected given his skills at his age. But I do think that we're going to see more of a Stasi-heavy split there, just because, again, Kurt Suzuki is not very good anymore. But like a lot of good players with suppressed ADPs, the big reason that Stasi is being drafted where he is is injuries. Just last season, he missed a couple of weeks with a sprained thumb and then a month with a concussion, two things that are kind of always a risk for catchers uh, given the nature of the job. He basically didn't get to start his season until June, and it's hard to quantify the impact that a concussion can have on a player's production. Something that I know about intimately. Sadly, yes. Yes. 
Um, not great, not fun. But um, so Jordan and I argued like six weeks ago about Stasi versus like Aaron Nola and uh, sorry uh, Austin Nola. <laughs> Def- definitely not drafting Stasi over uh, Aaron Nola. But w- once again, we spent way too long arguing about Stasi. This time, we were arguing about waiting on a catcher in a 12-team league versus drafting, say, Wilson Contreras around pick 100. And I was arguing heavily in favor of taking someone like Stasi 200 picks later and not wasting the pick on Contreras. Because if you look at Stasi's 2020 and 21, his last two seasons, he got roughly 424 plate appearances, and he put up basically the exact same stat line as Contreras in 2021. Contreras is a better bet for playing time, 100%, not going to deny that. But, you know, when Stasi is hurt, you don't have an empty spot, you get to replace him. So I, I think that the, the you know, the, the, what, the 10th round draft pick is more valuable used on a better player while getting someone like Stasi later. So I'm kind of, if you don't get one of the first five catchers this year, I'm on team just wait and get guys like Nola, get guys like Stasi, but that's kind of more of an overarching strategy than just uh, talking about Stasi. Um, he's really, I, I think he's probably my favorite late round catcher target, like full stop, and he's probably my number one for all around production. I'd prefer Nola for like batting average, but if he can get 450 plate appearances, I think he's an easy top 10 catcher. And I'm not talking like the bottom of the top 10. I'm talking like five or six because he'll put up like 20 home runs, 130 runs in RBI. It's just going to be a matter of if if he can stay on the field or not. I mentioned that he put up a very similar stat line to Contreras's 2021 over the last two years. Contreras was the number six catcher this past year. True. Yeah. I mean... I think, again, like the volume is the biggest thing for him, right? Like if he can get those at bats, I think he can be incredibly productive. And for me, like we're talking about this specifically in relation to my staff league draft, because I was thinking about reaching for because I'm right at the turn. Basically, it's going to be like 20 picks until my next pick. Do I reach and take Contreras or do I just keep on waiting it out? And I think Schwabzi did make a good point because it is like for that specific league, a weekly head to head league. It's less pertinent for me to get those at-bats from Contreras, like getting an extra like game a week or whatever it ends up being because it is resetting at the end of every single week. I will say, so like in those leagues, I think I would wait around. I think in like if you're doing a season-long Roto League of any kind, I think I would still much rather have Contreras. But yeah, it's it's just really like what whatever the context of your league is going to really determine if you want to do that or not. Um, I do like Stasi if he stays healthy, though. Yeah, I mean, it's it's one of those things where it's a little bit dependent on the amount of effort you're willing to put in. Because yes. on a on a per game basis, I think Stasi will be just as good as someone as like Contreras, but might require more management. Might need to make a free agent pickup here and there as he you know gets dinged up as catchers tend to do. And Contreras is a bit more set it and forget it. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, biggest thing, I mean, just like beyond fantasy baseball, like beyond that scope, I just hope that Stasi doesn't get any more concussions because they're uh, awful yeah. to get. It's the it's the absolute worst. They're really debilitating and they're really hard to recover from fully. So 
because you really need to take the rest and take time off. Um, yeah, and he also missed the whole at, month. Yeah, he missed the whole month, and like you said, he actually struggled at the plate after that, after he came back, right? Uncharacteristically high strikeout rates. Yeah, so might have had something to do with it, so something to keep in mind that he's had some time to recover. Hopefully, that means that he's going to be able to bounce back and have a better year. Uh, start to the season than he had an end to last season. So I think he's a good call out though. And I'm glad, I think that that investment in him of that three year, almost $18 million contract is something like a kind of a show of confidence by the angels there. So I, I dig Stasi at his ADP as well. If he stays healthy, that's going to be such a steal of a contract. Oh God, for sure. Super duper cheap in comparison to the production. Um, Yeah. All right, uh, moving on, let's talk about my second catcher. So I have MJ Melendez, which is actually someone who I believe Kevin Hastings talked about. Yes. Or was it, did, did he talk about it or did Adam talk about it on the pod? You know what, I think it might have been. I, I think Kevin took Melendez and then I took Carlos Hernandez, which Kevin was mad about. And then, yes. and then Kevin took, uh, oh God, the outfielder. Michael Taylor. That's it, yeah. Yeah, Michael A. Taylor. Very um, Kansas City themed. Very Kansas City themed. I mean, that's fair. Like, I, I'm also a bit of a homer myself, so I, oh, I, I, I get it. But, um, so yeah, I'm taking MJ Melendez. Getting taken 11 picks before Alfaro, which is kind of strange to me uh, on an FBC. Um, considering he's probably not going to start the year in the majors, and, I mean, is projected across most projection systems to only get, like, 220 plate appearances or so. Um. So it seems weird that I'm recommending him during draft season, but it's mostly just like a, hey, you should really, really keep an eye on this dude uh, throughout the season to see when he does get called up, because this is someone who's going to be a call-up that there's not really going to be any other impact bats like him called up throughout the season, Um, especially at the catcher position. It's really, really hard to find someone who can put up the kind of production that he has between double A and triple A last year. He hit 288 and 531 plate appearances, and he hit 41 home runs. And he had a 14.1% walk rate over that time as well between the two levels. And actually, if you look at his shorter sample in AAA, he had a 17.4% walk rate, so he actually got better once he went to AAA, which is super sick. Um, That kind of plate discipline and power combo is really, really hard to find. And also, it was just very strange that he made such a leap in both of those areas after a canceled 2020 season. So it's really, really impressive that he found that part of his game. Uh, Another really encouraging thing about Melendez is that yes, he is a catcher. He's like a plus defender behind the plate. Obviously he's blocked by Salvador Perez. He's not going to supplant Salvi by any means, which is one of the big roadblocks for him and actually getting playing time on the Royal squad. But Mike Matheny and the Royals have him playing at both third base and in the outfield this spring, getting him game action and time on the backfields, learning these positions, which really shows a desire to squeeze him in wherever they can. So he actually can provide that value once he is a fixture in that lineup. Um, And hey, once he gets called up, if he bounces around enough to all three of these positions, that means a guy who could be catcher, third base and outfield eligible which is incredibly sick. Like that's a very sick eligibility combination to find. I just, I, I, the Royals would move mountains to not play Edward Olivares, including playing a catcher in the outfield. 
Uh, that's true. <laughs> but does but does Olivares have the bat the impact bat that Melendez does? Oh, pro- uh, no way. Yeah, hundred percent. So, I mean, again, to kind of add to the heaping pile of evidence against me that I have recency bias when it comes to <laughs> spring training performances, which is a flaw of mine, I will say. But oh, Melendez, I'm going to continue that in a minute. Yeah, I mean, it's it's fine. We we are allowed to get excited about stuff, okay? Um, Melendez had a pinch hit home run today. It was like a 420 foot tank to like just left of dead center field, uh, three run shot. I think it was. So there is some helium, but it's not really pushing him up draft boards because he's not going to start the season on the big league squad. Um, so again, you shouldn't really be targeting him in drafts, but really this is just like a preseason. Hey, make sure this dude is always on your watch list and always on your radar. So that way you can pay attention to when he might get called up. Like the minute something happens, like say, I mean, God, like God forbid that like Salvi got hurt and he was out for an extended period of time. That is like an instant call to be like, okay, I'm going to go pick up MJ Melendez immediately. Uh, so yeah, keep an eye out for that. Yeah, I love it. He's been getting a ton of love this preseason. Yeah. And it's deserved. Just yeah. look at that minor league stat line. Yeah, again, like stat line scouting, not the best thing to do. We don't have like stat cast data to go off of. But like if you put up 41 home runs and like less than 600 plate appearances, you're probably pretty good. Yeah. Like, I don't think we really have to make qualms about doing stat line scouting when someone puts up a line like that. So, yeah, I mean, that's pretty much it. All right, let's uh go to Schwabzi's last catcher. Let's talk about Kyle Higashioka. You know, we, we did all this talking about being homers and recency bias. You know, my a, a catcher prospect for my favorite team hit a home run last night. Maybe I should reverse course here and talk about Francisco Alvarez. Who? Uh, yeah, I mean, he's, he's you. You wouldn't have heard of him. It's kind of an obscure that prospect. Was a, that was a joke. That was a joke. Yeah, he's only a top ten prospect, yeah. and he uh, only turned on a ninety nine mile an hour fastball inside on the hands and hit it four hundred and forty feet. I'm so it's, happy. Anyone could do I, that. I, I forget. I forget who tagged him with the Mike Piazza cop. It might have been Keith Law, but it made me so happy. Uh, but no, I, I actually am going to talk about Kyle Higashioka. I, I don't know whether to consider it good luck or bad luck that the day I intended on talking about him, he went out and hit two home runs in a spring training game because now now it feels like I am just being susceptible to recency bias. But I swear, I, I did actually plan on talking about him already. And the reason I was planning on talking about him is because in our outfield preview episode, when I did research on Kyle Lewis, I found out that Kyle Lewis was 29th in baseball in barrel rate since entering the league. And it just so happens that number 30 on that same list is today's topic, Kyle Higashioka. It also happens that a day or two after I talked about Kyle Lewis and briefly mentioned Higgy, the Yankees traded away Gary Sanchez and appear to be ready to head into the season with Kyle Higashioka as their number one catcher to the chagrin of Yankee fans everywhere. Higashioka is by no means a great bat. He has a 317 career Woba to uh, to kind of piece that together. But his quality of contact makes me think that there might be something here. Like maybe he's gotten unlucky. He he does only he has only seen like 1600 pitches in his career, which sounds like a lot but it's really not. 
if you pull up his spray chart, you'll see an absolute ton of deep, deep outs to dead center. Hitting the ball 400 feet is awesome most of the time until you're hitting it to straightaway center and you hit it 400 feet only to watch a center fielder easily settle under it. So he does barrel the ball a ton. So much, in fact, <laughs> combined with the uh, deep flyouts that he actually is number one in baseball in barreled outs per batted ball event. That is not a stat you will find on any leaderboard. That's something you'll have to actually do like a savant search for. And it's an interesting leaderboard because it's full of stars, sluggers, and guys without much oomph at all, like Nick Gordon and Ramon Urias. Higashioka kind of is like a middle ground here because he has pop, but he he's not quite like like guys on the list are like Bryce Harper and Fernando Tatis. He's not like he doesn't have that kind of power, but he has plenty to get it over the fence. It's just kind of spray distribution. If he could pull the ball more, he would suddenly find himself hitting way more home runs. He has the uh the un the the unlucky circumstance of pulling all of his ground balls and then hitting all of his line drives and fly balls to dead center which leads to a lot of deep outs and not as much home not as many home runs as you would expect. He has a great stadium to hit home runs if he could only pull the ball or, you know, hit it the opposite way. From a uh, from a playing time perspective, if Higashioka is the number 1 catcher, he should be relatively safe since he's got a reputation as a good fielder and we know at the very least that Garrett Cole loves him. So he will yep. play it. He will get at least one start every five days. We can guarantee that. But <laughs> yeah. uh, as, as we said before, his current backup is injured. So Higashioka should have as much playing time as he can handle. And we've seen him absolutely like go nuclear for like a week at a time before. He's got the potential to hit a bunch of home runs in a week, as mentioned, you know, because of the bef- or earlier mentioned barrel rate. So. I'm willing to take a chance here as like a, a very late and I mean, very late. He's a ADP six twelve right now as free. a late. He's free. Yes. A two catcher flyer. Yeah. Quite literally in a 15. Oh wait, no 15 team. What is it? What is math? I can't do math in my head right now. In, <laughs> we do in this a 15 once per team, episode. 40, 15 team, 40 man rosters. He still does not make the cut. He's still not on a team. <laughs> if you just he should, go though. based, he should though. Yeah, exactly. He's gonna he's gonna have. I mean, what what does his projected playing time look like? Like, what how many plate appearances is he expected to get this year? I don't know that I would buy projections at the moment, given the recent trade. Sure, they but, may not have been updated. That's fair. But I will tell you that at the moment, he is projected. Ben Wertved is projected to be the starter with three hundred seven plate appearances with uh, Higashioka getting 294. I do not think it will work out that way. No. I would be stunned if it worked out that way. Beefy Ben Rortvet. Especially since Rortvet is currently injured. Yeah, true. Uh, yeah, no, I like Higashioka at that price. That is that is dirt cheap. Like I said, basically just free. I, I, need, to, I need to iron out for certain whether it's Higashioka or Higashioka. I, I need to get the, I need to figure out that inflection. Yes, we'll have to figure that out. Um, but yeah, I mean, there was a few other names that we could have talked about here today. Um, 
Ryan Jeffers, who we did not talk about. Uh, obviously, with Gary Sanchez signing in Minnesota, we talked about him a little bit, actually, at the beginning of the episode, I suppose, uh, in our new section, how he's affected by the Gary, Sanche- Gary Sanchez signing. Uh, Jacob Stallings, who is now in Miami, who should kind get of a, a lot of volume. Right, safe playing time bet there. Uh, yeah. He's an absolute stud on defense, so he should just you know get those plate appearances, get those counting stats. Uh, back in February, we also mentioned Danny Jansen. Yep. As the current favorite for playing time in Toronto. And uh, how many times at this point have we mentioned Austin Nola? We we are big fans. Yeah, I was gonna say Jordan just, talked to me into that one. I did, yes. I mean he's just a good good average bat. That's basically what he is. And he'll he'll get a few counting stats here and there. Uh again, playing time is the weird thing there because you have Caratini catching every fifth day for Darvish. And then Obviously, whatever Jorge Alfaro actually gets, whether he actually catches that much or not, we'll see. Um, if Jan Gomes, I know Schwebzy put this one down. Yeah, until the Cubs kept signing more and more people. There was a point where I thought Jan Gomes would be the best candidate for DH plate appearances. Mm-hmm. I no longer feel that way. Yeah, it's a pretty rough one there for him. So less less hot on him. Um and then what is, is that everyone? No, we have one more. We have, oh, of course. How could I forget Big Dumper? How could you forget Big how Dumper? How could I forget the Big Dumper, Cal Raleigh? Um, Currently slated for the minors. Yes. But he's being, blo- he's being blocked, and I use the term blocked very loosely, by Tom Murphy. I have to believe that if Cal Raleigh can show any of the offensive promise that he showed in the minors, in the majors, that he can take over that job pretty easily, but you know, that, that remains to be seen. Yeah, definitely take, I would, I would definitely take a sure thing like uh stallings well before I would take Cal Raleigh. I'm sure that the ADPs reflect yes. that too. Um, I don't have them in front of me right now, but yeah. All right. Shubsy, anything else for the catcher front before we send it out for the day? No, no, I think that's all I got. Uh, although you you did mention that uh, Melendez would be the the biggest impact catcher, like like Adley Rushman isn't out there. In 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 deep leagues, sir. Oh uh, yeah, that's Rutschman's fair. Gonna, Rutschman's going to well, start. What's, what's gonna, Adley's uh, ADP? Oh, it's probably like oh, he's a two hundred one. Yeah, Man. I was say low two hundreds probably. So he's definitely not within our range. We would have had him on. We would have talked about him probably. If he was so, so, range. So I'm the dummy here. Okay. As as per usual. You're not a dummy. I mean, you're not, you're, not, you're not a dummy. Is that believable? <laughs> <laughs> you? You? A dummy? No. Never. Anyways, uh, that's going to be it for this week's episode. We're, we're ending the episode with me negging Schwebzy. Uh, <laughs> I love you, buddy. Uh, that's going to be the end of this week's episode in the deep. Thank you so much for joining us once again. If you like the show, be sure to subscribe on your podcast platform of choice and leave us a five-star review, whether that's Spotify, Stitcher, Apple podcasts, uh, and be sure to check us next week for the relief picture episode. Schwebzy, send them out. Bye friends. Bye.